Amen. We had a great, wonderful day. Um, I don't know how many cards we were able to pass out, but we were able to pass out a lot of cards yesterday, and uh, God really helped us. Amen. Amen. I didn't know it. I, I, I still don't think so, but I went and walked up to a gentleman yesterday, and and uh, I don't know. I, I guess I don't. I guess I don't look at it the way other people look at it or pick up on it the way other people pick up on it. But according to uh, according to Ryland's uh, Ryland's dissertation, uh, I, I walked right up to the neighborhood dealer. Amen. And uh, invited him to church, and he said, "Would you have a problem with me coming to church to your church?" looked at him like he was crazy. I said, no. Why? He said, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people would have a problem with me coming to their church. He said, I just might come to your church. So I said, you need to come. You need to come. I was telling somebody yesterday, I said, we don't, we don't get, we don't get good before we get God. A lot of people say, well, when I get it all together, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make my way to the house of the Lord. No, that's not how it works. We get God to get good. Somebody say amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you got to get gooder. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 25, verse 24 to 30. Amen. I want to thank everybody that worked uh, yesterday and getting the church cleaned up. Um. Very, very beautiful. How many like the lights? Amen. I like the lights. We got a few more things left to do. Amen. But uh, we're going to get there in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at thy coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him, which hath ten talents, for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even thou which they hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Where's our praise and worship team at? Oh, okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. I was just wondering where they were. Um, limited potential. Are they gonna? Are they staying in there the whole time? Or are they gonna? Okay. All right. Well, let them know that I'm not gonna preach long today, and so I will need singers in the next ten to fifteen minutes. Amen. Everybody say he ain't playing. I'm hungry today. I don't know. If I'm hungry. I don't know. I just woke up hungry. I said I need an egg this morning, and. Uh, no, it ain't had nothing to do with deer. That's next week. Y'all, next week, y'all might get the shortest sermon ever because it's the opening weekend of bow season and herring will be in the woods. Amen. But uh, 
But this week, I'm just hungry. I may preach 20 minutes. But, uh, uh, if, y'all, if y'all feel like y'all need to be at church and need to preach to go a little longer, y'all just tell me how long I need to preach, and I'll try to do that. Amen. But Amen. Amen. My granddad told me, he said, he, he, he always had a funny way of, of just saying things. Like when I told him that I wanted to pastor, I felt God was leading me to pastor, he said to me with all his wisdom, he said, don't do it. Don't do it. And people will drive you nuts. And uh, he was right. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, but he used to say to me all the time when I, when I come preaching or whatever, my first sermon I ever preached, I preached an hour. I was 16 years old, and I preached an hour. And uh, he sat me down and said, all right, all right, all right, all right. That was good, but don't ever preach that long again in your life. I said, okay. He said, good preachers can preach a 30-minute sermon in an hour. He said, but the great preachers, they can preach an hour sermon in 30 minutes. I always have strived to be a great preacher. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. For just a little bit today, I want to preach from this topic, limited potential. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, your potential is limited. Father, I thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. God, and I ask that you would minister in this place and that you'd speak to your people. God, and that you'd work through us and work for us and work by us. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I just love technology. It's just coming together so wonderfully. Amen. Amen. Unfortunately, the sign in the break room that's got the eagle soaring in the light blue background that says, Your potential is unlimited is false. Somebody say amen. You know that that person that always wanted to be an encouragement to you and tell you that you can be whatever you want to be and whatever. Now, that came in awful quick. I wasn't trying to yell. I was just, that's going to need some help a little bit. You, you know, the, the, the person that said, you can be whatever you want to be. You, you can be that. You know that person, right? Well, here's the deal. I loved basketball growing up. I loved it, Earl. Matter of fact, sometimes I dreamed that he was me. You got to see that's what I dreamed to be. I dream I move. I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike. That's Michael Jordan for y'all younger ones. I love basketball. And I was good at basketball, Brother Coulter. I was good. I could literally, this little five foot eight person could dunk a volleyball. I couldn't dunk a basketball because my hands couldn't grip a basketball. But I could barely get up there and just barely dunk that volleyball. I had some ups, y'all. 
Now I couldn't jump over a credit card laying flat. <laughs> but I could play some ball now. I could, I could play some basketball. And I, and I remember telling my stepdad when I was about 13 years old that I wanted to play in the NBA. And he said, son, that ain't ever going to happen. And I got mad. I said, I said, why? He said, well, number one, you're too short. He said, number two, you're too white. And, and, and I, was, I was upset, you know. And I was like, well, Muggsy Bogues, he's short. And he's playing. Spud Webb, y'all don't know who I'm talking about, do you? Spud Webb, he's short. He's playing. I don't know many of the new players. I said, they're playing. He said, yeah, son. But they bad. You ain't bad. And so I played in high school, and I, I remember thinking I was far better at basketball than I actually was. I remember going from the freshman team to uh, playing on a freshman basketball team, and we went and we, we scrimmaged against the junior varsity team. And uh, I remember there was a guy that was my height, about my weight, about my size, and, uh, and I was playing shooting guard. And he also was playing shooting guard. And um, that afternoon... Uh, I, I quickly realized that the talent pool was a little bit deeper <laughs> than what I had anticipated. And uh, I got my lunch. Hey, hallelujah. And uh, even though I did play uh, college basketball, yeah, y'all look at a college basketball player. It was the Indiana Bible College, but... <laughs> 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 you know, it was the Indiana Bible College. Hey, man, I never, my tail end during the minutes of the game, during the core key minutes of the game, never came off the bench. My tail end was always off the bench. And, uh, and I still practiced and I still played and I still thought it was going to happen. But, but I realized that I was a little too slow and uh, wasn't quite quick enough. But I could shoot, but shooting ain't really... Uh, my, my, my potential was limited. I remember my granddad trying to convince me that, uh, that I needed to pick up golf. And, uh, and, and I loved golf, and I played golf. And, and at the same time, I realized that, that even though I had limited potential for me, to get better and to take the steps that I needed to st- take to be a successful golfer, it was going to take something more than just potential. It was going to take something more than just talent. It was going to take work. Somebody say amen. See, everybody in here has been given a specific Ability, specific talents. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got something special that I don't got. I was watching a 30 for 30 on Randy Moss. And many players, and y'all know who Randy Moss is. He's a wide receiver 
for the uh, uh, Vikings. Yeah, I think. Didn't he go to Dallas or no? Where, where was that second team he went for, to? Yeah, play for the Patriots. Good job. Yeah. But they said Randy Moss was probably one of the most explosive wide receivers of all time. And one of the guys on the 30 for 30 said, what if Randy Moss had the work ethic as Jerry Rice? What would he have become? And I'm not trying to dog Randy, but I'm just saying that everybody in this room has a limited amount of potential. Now, I don't want to depress anybody, and I'm going to bring this home, and everybody said, thank you, Jesus. But in Jeremiah 1, 4 to 19, we read about the hand of the Lord that is put on Jeremiah. And this, and everybody listen to what the Lord says. He said, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and created you to be a prophet. Now, the one thing that is difficult for us to wrap our minds around is that right now in our life, before we were born, the Lord created us to do a specific thing in His kingdom. Your calling is not about the natural. Your calling is about the supernatural. The calling that God has put on your life is about what can you do in His kingdom to be a blessing to others. If y'all wonder what the kingdom of God is all about, I want y'all to do this right here. If you're wondering what the kingdom of God is all about, pick your head up just like this right here, like that, and then go like this. The kingdom of God is all about the people. People, 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 people. It's more than just trying to save people from the lake of fire. It's more than trying to get people delivered out of hell. It's trying to get people to live an overcoming life and a life that is full and and exuberant and wonderful and fantastic. Now, we all have trouble. We all have problems. We all have situations. But the reality is, We can live a life that is full and fantastic. I'm not getting too many amens on that because some of you are saying, well, it's it's not heaven yet. How's it supposed to be full and fantastic? Folks, Jesus said that I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That literally means that your life would far exceed anybody else's life around you. Now, my question is, is your life far exceeding the life of everybody around you? So God has created us with a specific purpose and for a specific time. I used to love Little House on the Prairie. How many ever watched Little House on the Prairie? And, and, and I used to love cowboys and Indians. My dad tells a story that when I was a kid, we was driving. I'd watch cowboys and Indians. And he said we was driving down the highway. And that's back in the day when they had the hump, you know what I mean? That, that drop-down hump in the front seat. And my dad said that I was sitting on the drop-down hump in the front seat. And I said, Dad. He said, what, son? I said, are there Indians out there? 
I want to know if there's Indians out there. But, but, but Earl, here's the thing, bro. I would have loved to grow up in the wild, wild west, but the wild, wild west lacked a few things that I have grown accustomed to. <laughs> and then I'm thankful that the air conditioning, I, they didn't have that in the wild, wild west. And the heat in the winter, they didn't have that in the wild, wild west. And I'm going to tell you, Earl, they didn't have the Japanese fusion restaurant in the wild, wild west, but I'm glad that I live in 2017. I'm glad that I've been called to exist in 2017 because we can be a part of God's kingdom with air conditioning. We can be a part of God's kingdom with restaurants to go eat at afterwards. Some of y'all ladies don't know what it's like, what it used to be like. But you used to be up at 6 o'clock on Sunday mornings putting something in the crock pot. Some of y'all going crock what? I'm not talking about back then. I'm talking back in the 60s. or the, When I was a kid, the 70s, 80s. 70s. They didn't have no crock pots back then, did they? Yeah. Y'all was still on the y'all was still on the, the pioneer of Western days. I was I was, I was the pressure cooker. Y'all 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 just these days that, that 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 beautiful lady wakes up and she's gotta figure out which Pac-Man shirt from Lula Rose she's gonna put on. Don't they look like Pac-Man or something? I got fair. I wish Lula Road they gonna put on. Walking out, dun 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 dun. dun. <clears throat> yep, I said it. And uh, they don't even think about the crock pot. No, it's where we going to eat after church. Huh? But I'm thankful that God has called me for this time. If God wanted me to be a part of the kingdom back then, that I would have just dealt with it and been fine with it. But the reality is now God has put us here on planet earth for now, for specific time, for specific reason. Somebody say amen. In John chapter 6, I want to read you this little passage of scripture real quick. John chapter 6, verse 7 uh, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Jesus was in the middle of a situation where people were hungry. Everybody say people. People were hungry and the potential was limited. Everybody say limited potential. And even one of the disciples said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient to feed everybody. In other words, what Philip was saying is, in this situation, to help people, our potential is limited. 
We know the story. Jesus was there. There was 5,000 men that didn't include women and children. Maybe there was 10, 15,000 people there listening to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, hey, he did one of them pastor things that them pastors do sometimes that are crazy. And he said, hey, we need to feed everybody. They're hungry. They're they're starving. They need something in their belly before they go home. And he sent it out and he said, hey, hey, round up the troops. Let's see what we got. And Philip came back and said, look, we only got 200 penny worth worth of bread. And it's not enough to feed everybody. And so Jesus said, I tell you what, go through the crowd and go see if anybody has any bread or any food that they would be willing to donate to the cause. And as they were going through, the disciples were going to people and they're saying, hey, look, Jesus up there wants to feed the 15,000 people that are here and we're looking for donations. Would you like to donate any bread or any fish? And I'm sure that the people, now this is the DIV version, the Dathan International Version, okay? I'm reading between the lines. And they're looking at it and they're saying, you know what? My little loaf and my little fish will make no impact on the And so they wanted to make sure that they were full, that they had food in their belly. And so they said, I'm going to hold on to what I have. Are you telling me that there was only one boy in the middle of 15,000 people? He was the only one that had any food? And as they went through the crowd, and they begin to ask people, do you have any food that you'd like to do, uh, donate to feed the 15,000 people? They looked at what they had, and they said, there's no way it's going to make it, and, and, and I just I want to make sure that I've got enough for me, myself, and I, and so I'm going to take what I can, and then the only person that was willing to donate their lunch was a little tiny boy. And this little dude, he said, look, I know there's 15,000 people out there. But here's what I got. I got five loaves and I got two fish. Now you do with that what you want to do. I don't know how you're going to feed 15,000 people. And, and even the disciples came back disparagingly with that, with that sack lunch. They came back and they said, hey, look, we ain't got enough. And the only person that gave any food out of this bunch of heathens out here was this one little dude, and he had five loaves and two fish. And that's all he had to donate to the cause. And when Jesus looked at something that had limited potential, he said, put it in my hands. Because potential is limited, but anointing is unlimited. When we put what we have into God's hands, it becomes unlimited. Somebody say amen. You can't do it on your own. What God started in the spirit, you can't finish in the flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God started you in the spirit. God started you in the spirit. There ain't no person in this room, there ain't no person on planet earth that God did not design to be here. Somebody say amen. And so Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish and he fed 15,000 people. 
Folks, if that ain't a miracle, I don't know what is. I guess what I'm saying is this. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we know our past and we know what we've done and we know what we've been through and we know where we think we're going and we look in the mirror and we see the need of the world. And we see the need of the community. And we see the need of the people in our neighborhood. And we see the need of the people in our families. And we look in the mirror and we say, look, I I don't have much. What I have is not adequate to minister to all these people. What I have is not enough to be effective among so many people. My potential is so limited. See, when we, look in the, when we look in the mirror, we're looking at limited potential. Do you want to say amen? I was looking at some old pictures the other day of my hair. Son, I had some hair. But now, we've got some limited potential. <laughs> when we look in the mirror, we know what we've thought. We know what we've done, and nobody else knows what we've done. We know the things that we are, and we know our potential, and we know that it's so limited, and we look at the need of the community, and we say, I cannot be effective. But here is the truth. Your effectiveness has nothing to do with your potential. Your Purpose has nothing to do with your potential. Because who sets potential? Man. Right? God never told Jeremiah, I have designed your potential. No. God told Jeremiah, I've designed your destination. I've designed your finishing place. I've anointed you and called you to get where I designed you to go. See, nobody in here has potential, really, in the eyes of the Lord. That's more of a fleshly common statement, potential, potential, potential. But everybody in here has a design destination that God has anointed you to get to. And what we do is we look in the mirror and we say, I'm limited potentially, so I'll never get to where. How many's ever got a prophetic word? How, how many's ever got that prophetic word? And, and, and you hold on to that, right? That's my prophecy. That's my prophecy. Woo, glory. That's my prophecy. But you actually think you're never going to get there. Huh? Amen. Every week, every week, I give a speech to the guys at work. They can quote the speech, right? They got it down pat. They know what it says. This is how you get there. And they look at it and they say, oh, that's hard. I got a couple believers right now, but they look at it, that's hard. I just need a nine to five job. I just need somebody to tell me what to do, when to do, and how to do it. That's just what I need. Because they're looking in the mirror and they're saying, my potential's limited. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too short. I'm too chunky. I'm afraid of roofs. 
I'm in a wheelchair. And we look and we say, I can't do it. But the reality is this. If you get out and you make it happen, it's going to happen. It's not determined on your ability. It's determined on your punctuality and your ability to work and to hustle and to make it happen. It's turning into another good P&P speech. I love what I do. I love it. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. But with God, we've got to go through a grind to get to our divine destination. That's why the Lord Jesus said this statement, offenses will come. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, offenses will come. And when it, it's so much easier to say offenses, right? Offenses will come. People will hurt you. But it's a lot more difficult to actually go through it than to saying it. How about when you got knives in your back from people that's supposed to love you? How about them offenses? Huh? How about people that you've helped and you've blessed and you've tried to do for and you tried to help and all they do is tear you down and cuss you out? What about those people? What about those times? What about the times when your heart was pure and your spirit was pure and your mind was pure and your motives were pure and you said, hey, this is what we need to do to get to where we need to go. And the next thing you know, they're looking at you and saying, you got to go. What about those times? It's in those moments where we've got to get back up and say, you know what? It's not about the pain. It's not about my past. It's not about my problems. It's about my destination. But when we go through these things, it creates hesitation in our spirit, does it not? Am I not lying? It creates hesitation in our spirit. So we say, hey, you know what? Okay, I, I'm only one person. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to put myself out there. Y'all listen, I got to tell y'all something. A year and a half ago, the last thing I wanted to do was stand in front of people with a microphone in my hand and preach the gospel. My wife used to kick me out of the bed on Sundays. My God, Dayton, they're going to be at the house in a few minutes. You better have something to preach. My God. And all I wanted was just a Sunday off. I just wanted some reprieve. But the reality is I was trying to guard myself. I was trying to protect myself. I was trying to keep myself safe. But the Lord was using Sister Holly to turn sideways on the bed. You know what I mean. You know that move. You gotta get out of the bed. She never did that, but my God, you got something to preach? What you gonna preach? Let me hear it. Don't use that, use this. No, I'm joking. She don't ever do that. Here's some notes. Preach this this morning. It's way better than last week's. Here you go. 
I'm joking. She don't all, she don't do that every week, amen. <laughs> nah, I'm playing. I'm playing. But but we, but folks, we want to guard ourselves and we want to protect ourselves. And so we have a fear of falling short, don't we? We have a fear. I don't want to fall short. I don't want to set myself up for hurt. I don't want to set myself up for failure. But my fear for falling short has has extinguished a bit. And I have a new fear. And my new fear is this. It's not getting to where God designed me to go. My fear is not about falling short. My fear is about not getting to where God designed me to go. Now, some of y'all look at at it, listen to that, and say, well, basically it's the same thing. But it's not. Fear of falling short and fear of not getting to your destination are two different things. My fear of not getting to my destination is simple. It's accurate. It's pure. My motives are pure. And it's, hey, if I'm going to get to where God designed me to go, that means every day got to get on that road and say, my God, I'm going to where God has designed me to go. And you got idiots all around you. But you just got to march. you got people saying, who do you think you are? You're so holy. You're so mightier than that. You're so backslid. You're so going to hell. You know these people. you got some people that tell you you're a hypocrite. You got some people to tell you you're holier than thou. You got some people to call you a jerk. You got some people to call you a friend, and you don't know what you are. Am I? Am I the? Is it just me? Am I the only one that said, "You know what? H- have you ever went to bed at night and wondered if you were ever a good person? Have you ever laid your head down on the bed at night and listened to the rhetoric of the people that are against you and said, "Am I even a good person?" All that is is the attack of the enemy that's trying to prevent you from your divine destination that God has designed for you from the day you were born. Because everybody in this room has a design destination. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. Your destination and my destination are not the same destination. Final destination, episode 400 million. Our destinations aren't the same. But I guarantee you, see, we look and say, I just wish my life could be like that. But if, you had, if I had his life, I wouldn't want his life. Look how tall he is. I don't, who wants to be that tall? Look how much hair he's got like that on top of his head. Who wants to have that much hair on top of your head? Nah. What, what, I, what I'm saying is this. The Bible says that the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Deep down in your spirit, deep down in your heart, you have a specific set of desires that if you will get on the path and the destination that God has for you, that literally means you will get to where God has designed you to go. And all the while, you will be very happy. As the musicians come, I hope I've not preached so bad today that I need a magician, but... As the musicians come today. Folks, I need to just clarify about God's house. God's house is a place. Is the equivalent of a filling station. 
This is not the destination. This house is the filling station. Sometimes people need to be towed in. Sometimes people need to be picked up on the side of the highway with the red can and brought in. Sometimes people barely make it in. But this is a filling station for all people. This is a place where people should be able to come to get enough of God and enough of His mercy and enough of His strength and enough of His Spirit to get them to the final destination that He has for them. Somebody say amen. So this house should never be a house of judgment. This house should never be a house of pride. This house should never be a house so dignified that we don't welcome everybody in because everybody has a final place that God has designed them to go. It's not God's will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance and that all would have everlasting life. Somebody say amen. So I say welcome to God's filling station. Somebody say amen. The church, the church is not the building. The church is the people. The church is like tow trucks. Look at yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, mater. The church is like tow trucks. We're just a bunch of maters. Hi, y'all. When we leave this building, we go out to a place where people are broke down and where they need just somebody to love on them. They just need somebody to help them. And, And if we look and we say, I'm so limited, and we never do, that we're preventing them from getting to their destination. But not only that, I've come today to tell you that God has anointed you to heal and to lift up and to help people. If you're so selfish, if all you ever think about is you, then you're never going to get to where God has designed you to go. Because your your best days, your final days, your greatest days are going to go through people that are in need. Somebody say amen. That little boy, he looked and he said, I only have just a little bit. But what I have, I'm going to give it to God. And he gave it to God. Somebody say amen. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, you're no worse than Moses. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Marcos, you're no worse than Moses. Y'all realize Moses got mad at somebody and hit him over the head with a rock and killed him? Moses was a murderer. designed a murderer to lead out his people 
So if you ask me if somebody that murdered somebody and they're in the state penitentiary, do they have a chance to make it to heaven? I say yes. I say yes to that. If they'll repent. If they'll give their life to God. Because there's no sin too dark that God can't cover under the blood. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of a desert. For those 40 years, you know what God was doing? God was waiting on Moses to figure out that he was still anointed, that he was still called. And I've come today to tell you that God, like he waited on Moses, he's waiting on you today for you to give, for you to donate, for you to facilitate the kingdom of God. God is waiting on you today to be a blessing. God is waiting on you today to be a part. God is waiting on you today. Folks, God does not give up on people. People give up on people, but God does not give up on people. God will not judge people until judgment day. So he's going to have mercy on people until judgment day. But people will judge people today. Don't you think it's strange that that people will judge people today and God's waiting to judgment day to judge people, but people will judge people today and God's willing to give mercy today. Folks, I've come today to tell you that nobody here is judging you, not even God. He's pouring out mercy to you. There's still time. Now is the time. Now is the time. There's still time. God's not giving up on you, but He's waiting on you. Let's all stand today. And I want us to do something today that's quite unique. Your potential is limited when it's in your hands. But when you put yourself into God's hands, you'll, number one, live an extraordinary life. Extraordinary, not extraordinary. Extraordinary life. And number two, you'll be a beacon of hope to everybody around you. I don't know about you, but I want to live an extraordinary life. But number two, I want to be a beacon of hope and a beacon of light to everybody around me. What's it look like? What's a beacon of hope look like? What's a beacon of light look like? It looks like you. What's a miracle look like? It looks like you. What's a blessing look like? It looks like you. I want us all to make our way to the aisle, to to the front today. Everybody in the building today, whether it's your first time or your last time, Hallelujah. But I want us all to come to the front today. And I want us to do something today together. Because everybody in this place is on a different place in your destination to God's perfect place for your life. Everybody in this place is at a different place on that road. And so today, what I want us to do in this building is I want us to lift our hands high. 
And I want us to say, God, I commit myself to you. I want us to surrender today. And say, God, I want to be a help. I want to be a blessing to people. God, help me, Lord Jesus. Come on, I want you today to say, Lord, I, I, I want to help people. God, I want to give what you've given me. God, I look in the mirror and I say, it's so little. It's so few. It's so minute, God. But help me be a blessing to somebody. God, my, my potential is limited, Lord. But, but anoint me today to do extraordinary things. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.